Blog Talk Radio. This is Cale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's Buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Camaro, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. I have a sensational guy on the phone, and we have a lot to talk about, so I'm just going to dive right in here. You know, my guest tonight first came to our attention as smart, sexy Dr. Noah Chase on the classic CBS soap Guiding Light, where his fun, flirtatious chemistry with the peerless Kim Zimmer made him an instant fan favorite. He moved on to ABC's One Life to Live a couple years later, making an impression as noble lawyer turned sociopathic serial killer Daniel Colson. Uh, he still turns up before the camera from time to time, having appeared on shows such as Fringe and CSI Miami, but he has largely turned his attention and focus behind the scenes of late with a production company entitled Shake the Tree, and he's come by the buzz this evening to tell us all about all of it. You know, I'll tell you, his passion is clear, and his enthusiasm is infectious, and I just can't wait to reintroduce you to the terrific Mark Dobies. I can't follow that, Brandon. I think it would be done. That's pretty good. <laughs> of course you can. So let's let's kind of set the table here. Give me the 60-second bio on Mark Dobies. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Where did you go to school? Let's get that out of the way. I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Born down Center City, and uh, I'm a Philly boy. Excellent. So currently I'm lamenting about my flyers down to, 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 to love. Uh, and the Phillies bats that are silent for right now, and I always lament about the Eagles, too, because they break my heart every single year. Gotcha. How, um, how, do, you, how do you feel about McNabb? You know what? I'm, I'm uh, he. he I'm kind of glad he's gone. Uh, it's, it's time to move forward, and you know we got to win. The, we have to win the big game. You know we're uh, we're knocking at the doorstep every year. Yep. So uh, yep. you know it's just you know it's business. Things things change, but uh, you know I, I think uh, we need some new chemistry, and so you know we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll be clamoring for McNabb back, uh, depending <laughs> on what happens this year. So. I uh, went to Delaware Valley College as a football player. Played four years uh, with the Aggies up in De- at Delaware Valley College. We won a, our NCAA championship. My, my 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 last year, I played football and uh, went on to grad school from there. And you know, one thing that I haven't—I think you and I spoke about this before. One thing, part of my life that I had buried for years and years and years, because my first agent told me not to bring it up to anybody. <laughs> that was a fashion model. I traveled over the world for about ten years. Wow! You know, I, from coming from Philly, I, I uh, you know, I graduated in '81 and then uh, went on to grad school. And of course, the economy was once again in the, in the toilet. And uh, I had an opportunity to go overseas. I, I fell into modeling. Someone basically came. You know, I'm a guy. He's a guy. You know, 23 years old. Someone says to me at the gym, "Hey, you know, you ever look check out, you know, fashion modeling? I know the agent. I'm like, I'm not doing this stuff." Yeah. <laughs> 
one thing led to another. I went to an agent in Philly, and he goes, you should be in New York. Went to New York City. They said, yeah, we have an agent from Milan coming over. And one thing led to another, and uh, basically this agency from Milan said, do you want to go overseas with a contract? Well, I said, yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, we were a bunch of guys. We were a bunch of guys. We weren't. It was a different industry back then. Like, you know, everything, every it's all intertwined, the entertainment industry, but it was all, it was just a, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, making some money, having a great time traveling every corner of the globe. Sure. For, for like eight years, and uh, that's kind of where I got my beginning. I did theater in school and started doing a lot of commercials over in Paris. You know, acting kind of took me. It, it just grabbed me back, and, you know, I worked. When I came back to New York City, I started working for like, four, you know, four years. You know, I went, you know, I, went, I did the whole nine yards, just going through a two-year Meisner program, you know, just, you know, advanced scene study and, you know, working small theater, you know, just before you even got your, you know, were able to get an agent. I met a great agent at the time, and they hooked me up in L.A., and uh, things started from there, but it was a long, long road before, you know, you actually start to feel comfortable and sure. auditioning and that type of thing. It's just a different animal completely, but, man, I'll tell you what, I love it. I, I just fell in love with it. I felt, I, you know, I worked so hard to get to a point where, you know, I'm going to say this in all humility, you said, you you know, you can't be just a pretty face, you have to work harder. You know, I, I put it in a time, and when I went out to L.A., I booked a CBS MOW when I was out there my first month in L.A., and, and things kind of took off for me, and that's when I booked Guiding Lights. I was in L.A. for three years, and came back, and I had my second baby. Things just kind of rolled from there, you know. We had, you know, over the years, we had a lot of ups and downs, like, you know, we had, you know, we were talking about reality TV shows taking over the industry and that kind of thing, and... You know, aging actors taking all the spots, too. But, you know, fortunately, I weathered some of the storm. Not all of it, but <laughs> some of it. One thing that my partner and I, I work with Tony D'Antonio, uh, who are partners in Shake the Tree Productions. One thing that we've seen over a long time, I learned a lot from a lot of people. And conversing, I learned a lot of acting from people on soaps. So much akin to, you know, theater in a lot of ways because you have to, you've got to be so quick. Sure. You've got to think on your feet. You don't get second opportunities. You do a movie a day, just an hour script a day. And we would do sometimes two scripts a day, two, two three a day if they were, they were backed up on Guiding Light. It was unbelievable. And you had to make no loss. Sometimes you get good material. Sometimes you get bad. Sometimes you get indifferent. You had to make it good. You had to make it work. I learned so much from Grant Alexander. Kim, obviously, you know, is just an amazing actress. She's just, you know, mind-boggling. Hillary Smith, up the One Life to Live, was fantastic. One thing I learned going through this and getting scripts over the years, even in L.A., there's just a glut of bad, bad material. And you have to be honest. Like, you know, you see someone, you see it on TV. We, we talked about this a little bit, you know, in, in our conversations before. What got to me so much is that the lack of character-driven material. Now, maybe not the lack of, but where is it? Is it shelved somewhere? Is it something happening in a special vault? <laughs> Did they put it away? You know, it's like it, you got to wonder, you know, all the basic premise of telling a story. Like, you know, our company is Shake Tree Productions, and on our tagline, you would call it a tagline, it's we're dedicated to the art of storytelling. You know, and what's happened to it? You know, what's happened? What's happened to storytelling? It's where is it? Why can't the American people see it on a more regular basis? You know, in the golden age of Hollywood, the B movies were original scripts. If someone took the time to write a B movie that's an original script and not like a ripoff, you know, like I said, the Poseidon Adventure two and yeah. you know uh, <laughs> Freddy Krueger again, and I, I just or the seventeenth remake of, of Alice in Wonderland or Clash of the Titans and. Uh, yeah. the, the, the first Clash of Titans was bad enough, but yeah. um, with Play Nation, you know, it's like you know, Sinbad and uh, Sinbad's journey. 
But, you know, I understand it's like the bottom line, but I was just watching, you know, uh, coincidentally, I was watching Clint Eastwood today on, that, on a documentary on Clint, and it just took his career and the choices that he made and the movies that he's able to direct and produce, and he's not really concerned about, you know, marketing. He's just more concerned about, you know, sending the message out there. Absolutely. And his diversity of characters that he's, you know, and some of these, they're all original scripts, The Unforgiven, you know, I mean, sure. the whole nine yards, his career, and everything is so original. You know what's yeah. funny about him is if you, if you just took him by his early, early movies, he, was, he would probably be the last guy you would ever expect to be one mm-hmm. of the most respected filmmakers of, of our day, of our time. It's amazing to see that body of work. It, it, you wouldn't think that, but if you look back at some of the spaghetti westerns, you did like, you know, Leave Aunt, Leave, you know uh, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, just the soundtrack alone was just amazing. They were done so well. They were done so well. Like a John Ford western and that type of thing, you know. Um, what frustrated me was reading some of the stuff some of the scripts that I would get, now I'm, you know, I'm getting a few. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, not getting like, you know, thousands of scripts thrown at me. But, you know, you read a few, and you, and you read some, and, and like, geez, what? You know, why can't I root for the characters? Because it's not about the characters; it's about a plot. Uh-huh. All this incidental plot-driven stuff. And I would imagine you know on page two whether it's whether it's a, a decent script or not. You know, basically the title will tell me. <laughs> The title will tell me, and if I read through the synopsis, if they have a synopsis, you know, it's okay. You know, it, to me, it's just, it, uh, there's so many hardworking actors. There's so many brilliant actors and good, good people in this industry, and they're not lazy. Why do we see stuff that's, that, that's just lazy? You know, it's, you know, is it nepotism? Sure. Do you owe somebody a favor? Yeah. It is what it is, but if you read something, so why would you even actually take the time to read something like this? You know why? You know why write it, and who? Why do you make it? I, I, that's what's my. That's what gets me more than anything else is how this stuff actually not only slips through the cracks but gets propelled through the cracks. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I I, I really 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 don't get it. I can I'll give a, a major studio a mulligan for doing a remake of like I said Nightmare on Elm Street again because you're talking about money, okay? But some of the other stuff that's coming up that gets out there, I just don't understand. I really don't. And what we did is I wrote my first screenplay. Actually, it was my first screenplay, but the, the one that we were going to produce, I wrote like three, four, three before that that are still, that we have in our coffers. But I wrote one game. And, you know, I'm like, I'm an athlete. I grew up as an athlete. You know, we came from a time of integrity. It was about, you know, athletes being role models, and you looked at athletes very differently. And, you know, they were your heroes. You know, I love Bart Starr, you know, guy helping us with so much class and integrity. And, you know, you, you looked up to these people. I would, you know, play football by myself. So, you know, it's something that kind of slipped away, and it still has slipped away. And um, I actually had a dream of a, of a baseball game between 22 of the greatest athletes ever assembled play a series of pickup games on a Caribbean island. They're looking to play one game. It's supposed to be one game. And, of course, the powers that be don't want this to happen. <laughs> there are some, you know, unscrupulous owner uh-huh. or one, a group of them. You know, everything comes into play, and it's a hero's journey where these guys, you know, and it's, it's not sappy, but they, fi- they find their humility. They find out what they're, they're, what they're missing. And you can find all, you can find a complete synopsis up on our website uh, with pictures and photos at ShakespeareProductions.com. You can find everything up there, all of our projects, all of our pending projects. And like I said, we put original music to everything as well. But, you know, it's a journey where 
you have to root for the heroes, and you know what? The bad guy gets it, and he gets it in spades. But he gets it in a way that you don't know what's coming. So it's really kind of cool. And I get a chill thinking about it. I really do. I, I just it, it, It's going to such – we had a lot of great feedback from doing the reading and everything for it. You know, we figured that we could do – we could do it better, my partner and I, and um, we have most of our in- material in-house. We have enough material to take us into, like, 2020. Excellent. But uh, we've reached that recently that we're really excited about the screenplay right now, the movie that we're doing. We're, we're hopefully we have a tentative shoot date in September. Um, it's called Alto. It's a lesbian mob comedy. <laughs> and I'm telling you, when I heard that, my partner said, you got to read this, you got to read this. What is it? It's a lesbian mob comedy. <laughs> And I was like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> so, and that struck a chord right there. And I read it. It was, it, it was written by a wonderful writer, Mickey Delmonico, who lives out in L.A. right now. But she's a wonderful writer. And my partner, Tony, said, you know, we might want to consider developing this project. I read it. I got halfway through it, got on the phone with her and said, Tony, we're doing this. We're doing this. So... We've been developing this for about two years. We have some incredible actors attached to it right now. Uh, Lou Martini Jr. is attached right in here. We're waiting to hear back from um, Yancy Butler. Um, we've got the, um, our director is um, Angelica Torn. So, you know, a lot of names I don't want to say. We're, uh, John Boyd Young from Jersey Boys is playing one of the young, uh, young leads. And we have original, it's a, about a rock band within this whole thing, too, so we have all original music for that. But it's, it's an hysterical piece. It moves, it's so tight. It moves along so quickly. And, you know, we were so it, – it's, it's such a – it's a cross-generational type of a film, too. You're talking about, you're talking about the mob meets, meets the, the gay community, you know, meets the MTV generation. So it's just this great dichotomy of people that go back and forth and back and forth. It's just really quick-witted. It's written, like I said, very, 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 very tight. And it just ends up in this frenetic pace at the end of the movie. So we're really, really excited about it. So we're on the threshold, and, you know, to, the one door opens up for us, to, you know, of this magnitude. You know, I, uh, we have so much more behind this. And I think that's the most exciting exciting thing for us. We, we look for other material. We have people giving us other material. Uh, we've done one independent film prior to this. My partner did. But we just have – we're garnering a lot of, lot of respect in what we do. And, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting just to know that we can go from one to the next. I've got projects we can't talk about because if I say them, you know, it gives away what they are. Uh, so we have this project I don't even list them on our website. I've got a trilogy. I've got a fantasy trilogy that would blow your doors off. It's something that has not been done. It's, oh, I spoke to a wonderful lady called Marie Morielli. I, I pitched it to her, and she, she just went, she, oh, my God. She said, you have to do this. You have to do this. I said, I will, Marie. That's the kind of stuff that really gets excited to go from one to the next, knowing that we really don't need someone else's material. We can use our own. But knowing that that material is out there, too, because, you know, you know, we want to work in a collaborative process. Sure. So, and um, that's kind of where we are at this particular point. Um, and uh, we're just, like I said, we're, we're you know, it's a, it's a slow process. You know the way the industry is. It's, Absolutely. It's, you, know, Absolutely. It's, you know, things are around for a year and a half, and you're trying to work around people's schedules and that type of thing. So, You know, I had an actor by the name of Scott Bryce on my show a few months ago. I don't know if you've crossed paths with him or not, but he comes – he comes from a from a family of, of showbiz vets, and he said on this show that when he was growing up, his father always told him, 
to not just be an actor because in his words if you're only an actor you're nothing more than a victim waiting for a job it you know it's it's called show business after all so be a businessman and and it sounds very much like you've taken that idea to heart as well you know that's a good point that really is a good point another good friend of mine Billy Warlock basically said something to me like that we looked up in the city he said you know I can take it a step further because you really can't be a journeyman actor anymore. It's just that that type of business. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I think I think the only way to grow, you know, if you really love the business, if you really, it's not not the business itself. It is a business, but if you love the craft, and I think that's what we've gotten away from. We've gotten away from the craft. You know, it's the craft that that, that really. I don't think anybody would choose to be an actor or an actress. I mean, why would, you'd have to be out of your mind. So want to get into this business. Well, you know, that, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, did, do you have other actors in your family, or were you the oddball? I'm the oddball. I was always a renegade. It's something that I wanted to be. I, I wanted to be. I, I was dreamed out as a kid, but you never think about it in those terms. You know, I never did. I just knew that I was never going to work nine to five. Um, and, you know, I'm very creative. And I just thought. You know, I was breaking into something that was so foreign to my family, so foreign to my family. I mean, I did a couple plays here and there in, in high school, but it was nothing compared to, you know, the undertaking that I was about to take. You know, that I was taking on. It's, sure. it's like, like going from the it's like going from the minor leagues to the pros. And the, the sad thing about it, and maybe you know, not so sad, is that, you know, it's a tough business to let go if you have to move on or if you want to move on. And this all goes back to, you know, staying grounded, you know, grounding yourself out and staying very grounded. Uh, is that if you, you just can't wait for that one particular, you can't, you know, you can't, you're absolutely right, you can't sit by a phone and wait for the phone to ring. I mean, the worst place <laughs> to do that is L.A. It's just like, my God, you, you, you drained your energy in two weeks waiting for the phone to ring instead of being proactive. You know, this makes you proactive and as you grow as an actor, then you're able to, you should be able to direct and or teach and or pass on what you've learned. You know, here I'm, I'm, I'm taking from Yoda. But the thing about writing, which I love so much, is that it's your idea. It's your concept. That, that story is in your head, and I can see that that whole canvas is right in front of me. It's right in front of me. I can get the chill that goes up the back of my neck when I write a line that I think is very clever. Um, and it just goes forward, you know. And, I, and when someone reads my material and they get a chill or they cry or what that to me is very very rewarding you know i just like to think in that way I, that's that is the ultimate for me sure you know, that's, that's the hat you know if my face never goes in front of camera again I, i'm okay as long as i can we can continue on producing and writing and you know i'll take my accolades you know i know i'll get my big part like yes stephen king does and i'll be fine <laughs> that's all <laughs> but uh it's it's really this is the thrill of my life. This this I can sit down for three hours and and, and write three four hours at a pop and you know and have a great time and and just be the master of my own little universe right there. And working with these you know we have a great crew. You know just working with these people who it's such a great collaborative process and you work with them all together. You're able to sit there behind the scenes and just you know coordinate everything and. You know, there's so, people are so good at what they do. You know, these, just to watch people work and they bring this whole coordinated thing together is just amazing. You know, talking about the internet, I mean, I'm sure that with this production company, you are keeping a kind of a keen eye on on trends in the business. How do you feel about the internet? I mean, it seems to be, I mean, right now in in the infancy of it, it seems to be the wave of the future. I mean, there's there's all this entertainment and all this wide open space on the internet. Are you are you paying attention to what's happening on the internet in terms of 
you know, the the uh, the programming that's coming up and and the you know the the shows that are popping up on the web and 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 this kind of thing. Are are you paying a a close eye of that? Are you are you are you are you respecting any of that? Uh, no, I'm respecting it. I'm, I'm not putting. I'm not paying too close of an eye to it. Um, uh, we we just went to a. Uh, we do go to a lot of seminars and, and, and stuff to learn as much as we possibly can. And the thing about the internet is it's it's, it's a huge medium. You know, you can use it for basically for whatever you want, and it's a way to get your name out there. Whereas before you were never you would never be able to get your name out there. I think that's the one thing that it's really really good for. And as far as shows, you know, this multimedia thing as far as like you know tv and and, and the internet and and you know dvd sales you know it's still a little separate right now you know what i mean but it's it's got to coalesce at some particular point so yeah we do have to pay attention to it and it's a great way to get your product out there we just did a seminar a little my tony and i a little while back and people were talking about you know getting publicity they were talking about you know any publicity is good publicity and you know what it's right once people start knowing what your name is all about and they start looking, you know, looking, you know, looking you up. You go up to IMDb Pro. You have a star meter. You know, it's like how many hits have you got? And you know, it's 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 a great selling tool. But it is. It's about popularity. It's about getting your name out there. It's about marketing. And I think marketing is the biggest. It's huge. It's it's huge. You know, and that 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 the gift. You know, that people really that, who know how to market correctly can do. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I think the internet. You know, I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen as far as the internet's taking over, you know, network TV or, or that type of thing. Which show, you know, I, I just did an internet show. I don't see it meshing right away that you can get the same quality that you do like on an HBO or Showtime, those types of shows. Uh, you know, because they're, you know, you talk about the internet, they are cheap to produce. And conversely, people will get paid, paid release, which is the real travesty about all this. Are the actors? You know, you're talking about you know getting paid absolutely nothing to do some of these shows. So it's really not it's not fair. And I think right now the shows that they do have are basically what they are. You're going to get the caliber and I'm not I'm not making a broad stroke here by no stretch of the imagination. But I think you are getting the caliber people that you're going to pay for. You know, you've got to be able to give something back to the people who are that who are going to bring your show to the world so to speak. Absolutely. You know, I, I know you're not really in the soap game anymore, and, and I don't know what you do or don't want to discuss with regard to your soap experiences, but, I, you know, I have to tell you that I've watched One Life to Live for 22 years. That's been my show, and, and I was a huge fan of Guiding Light in its time, and, you know, as I was preparing for this this conversation with you, I was thinking back to your time on both of those shows, and, and I found it, uh, funny is not quite the right word, but I found it interesting that, that your time on both of those shows was marked by incessant executive instability. I mean, you know, in just a short time, you were on Guiding Light. I think you had three or four different head writers, and I'm pretty sure you had two or three on, on One Life to Live in as many years. And, and, you know, I always wonder what goes through an actor's mind when he's the new guy on the block, and all of a sudden there's this massive change, and from week to week you don't know what's coming down the pike. I mean, you know, well, it, it's, it's hard enough when you're Susan Lucci or Kim Zimmer or Erica Slezak, but, you know, w- when, you're the, when you're the newbie, I mean, I, I just wonder what goes through your mind. You know, I, I, I'm a blue-collar guy. You know, it's like I, I always... My feeling was like, if you work hard enough, you're going to be rewarded for your efforts. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't happen all the time, you know, and especially in the entertainment business. When so many things are out of your control, all you can really do is bring your A game. Kim and I had great chemistry. and You certainly did. It, uh, it was, and I think it, it, was, it, it took a lot of people by surprise because, you know, everybody was, everybody was all Reva and Josh, and all of a sudden there was this new thing in the mix. Well, you know what? It's funny because Kim came up to me when I first because I I am not was a big soap fan. I mean, I was I wasn't I didn't watch soaps. I watched Luke and Laura when I was in college. So okay. I did. I was with my my foray into soaps, 
you know, I was trained as, as, as a theater actor, and then, you know, it's just like, you know, craft, 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 craft. And when I went up to Guiding Light, you know, I brought that same mentality with me. It was like, you know, we're going to have fun. And I, can't, I remember Ken came up to me, and I was there for about two months we hooked up. She was really excited to see me. She was Mark, she goes, you know something? She goes, we're not doing so back in here. And I was like, okay, it's a great Kim, you know. She was like, really, and I, it wasn't that wasn't a dip on on, on soap actors. They're phenomenal actors. I think she appreciated the fact that we can raise we can raise the bar, we can bring whatever material, and we can make it make it really well. And especially between her and I, because it was, you know, look, it's Kim's hammer. You play across from Kim. You, 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 I saw that, you know, I said it before. You throw the ping pong ball at her, she throws it right back. You know, but I don't think, I think people, once again, they've lost a lot of what made those shows so great to begin with. Like, you know, uh, Ryan's Hope, you'd have two people sitting, having a conversation in the back room over a cup of coffee, which is more compelling than some idiotic storyline that someone has to throw in because they want some kind of hyped-up drama. Absolutely. You know, I'd rather watch those, I'd rather watch those two characters talk. For 10 minutes. It's incredible. It, it, that gives me chills. That, that's, you know, you don't need, you know, I want to root for the characters. And the best, the best storyline we had by far was a Hayden story, Lizzie Spalding. Absolutely, had, uh, with, with her anemia, yeah. That, to me, that was a really good storyline. And they did it, you know, Hayden was just fantastic actress in her number herself, so she could pull anything off, too, at that age as well. But that was a great story. And I enjoyed that so much. You and, know, you um, know, the funny thing is, it was all about family. It was all about a parent's love for a child. It was all about the yes. basic stuff. It, there was no pyrotechnics. There were no car crashes or anything like this. It was all about love and family. It's a frightened little girl. A frightened little girl standing up in front of the dragon. I get chills just thinking about that talking to you right now. That's how good that stuff was. You rooted for her. You rooted for Dr. Noah saving her. You rooted for everybody in her family. And I love that character, Noah. I just wish I could have played that character out. And that's, you know, I, I, felt, I, felt, I felt like they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. And I'm like, man, you could have exploited this character to such a great degree. And we, we see um, that happen time and again on soaps because, you know, as I said, you know, the head writers come in and then all of a sudden that writer's gone and another writer's in and things just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, they do. But they should, you know what, I mean, I don't, that's what, you know, you can't fix, you can't, you know, you can't fix the dam but put your finger in the dike. <laughs> and, you know, just playing the merry-go-round, the writers and yep. stuff like that, yep. not going to, you know, you've got to do your homework, you know, and I'm going to say this out loud. You know, the actors, we take pride in what we do, you know, it's our faces are up there on the, on the camera. You hit the nail right in the head when you see people come and people go, you lose that continuity, and that's where kind of things kind of fall by the wayside. You know, you start one story and you, then you end it a different way. And, you know, you lose your integrity, the integrity of the scene, the integrity of the storyline, the plot. And that's, that's not fair. You know, it's not fair to the audience. It's just not fair to the audience. And there's very little you can do as an actor to put a Band-Aid on that because it's out of your control. You've got to scramble to do the best. You've got to use your instinct to do the best that you possibly can. And, you know, that's what I did up at One Life to Live. You know, when that character, when they did that to that character, I had to scramble to find a truth and justify that truth for what that character was. But I, I think um, at that particular point, I had, I had a differing opinion of what that character was and who he was. And I fought to have that character as a sociopath. You know, otherwise it just didn't ring true for me. I just basically said, if you hired me to do this, you know, did I... That's what you hired me for. It's like, I'm going to bring, not my opinion, but my, I am going to bring my opinion, my idea of what this character is all about. Because one great character, too, at the very end, I mean, he was a nut. 
And, you know, it wasn't about him being gay, you know, because he was 19. I said, look, it's 1985. He's, he's killing people because he's in the closet. It didn't make any sense. I was like, yeah, you know, there's got to be more to it than that. There's got to be so much more to it than that. You know, I'm killing the, the love of my son's life with a bag, a plastic bag. I'm seeing apparitions. Well, I'm like, wait a minute. That was a fun character to play. I had a great time playing it, you know. I had a great time playing it. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to go back to a soap and do myself. They work so hard. you got to think on your feet. you got to keep moving. They're just great shows. And soaps, you know, it's almost like it's thankless, but there are some really good writers. And they have – it's tough. It is tough. I'm not taking anything away from the writers. You have some really wonderful writers, and you've got people and directors who are trying to do their job. They do it so quickly and so fast. And you take your pleasure in, hey, I did a good job. Or like, you know what, That's if someone comes, hey, Mark, what do you got for us? You know, hey, it'll make it easier for us. You know, it's like working with a good, a better, a good director who say, hey, we're, gonna, we're only going to do this in one take. You only get one take anyway, but that's it, you know. <laughs> if you screw up, you better screw up really bad. Grant Alexander told me that one time. <laughs> I said to me, because Mark, you know what, if you screw up, Screw up completely because they'll keep it. So I learned a valuable lesson. I learned a valuable. You better tear down a wall or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you cough. Go, oh, excuse me, I can't. <clears throat> Sorry, something got my throat, guys. Something got my throat. Like that. But you get a chance to play. And here's the thing about acting. Here's the thing about it in this business, especially if you're an actor. It's like you're a kid. You're playing cops and robbers. You get a chance to play again. And you know what? You, you get more than. 20 seconds to play as a guest star. You know, you get more than 25 seconds. You get to play in a whole scene, you know. Kim and I and, and Hillary and Bob Woods and, you know, all the wonderful people that I've worked with, we would have a scene that went on for four minutes. And that's a lifetime. That's a lifetime. It's like being on stage. you got to play. Mistakes happened. The mistakes were wonderful. They, they, they were so lovely. It was like, oh, great. And it, it, it came out so well. And, man, to get that excuse and chance to play again, hands down. It's such, it's such a blast, such a pleasure to work under those circumstances because you've you got to be in your A game. you got to bring everything to the table. Your artistic juices start to fly. And you go for it and, uh, God, yeah. Oh, shit, without a doubt, without a doubt. I go out to LA in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. Because you use a lot of time, too, so you'd be able to come back and forth as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, your, your time constraints really aren't that bad. Um, <laughs> unless they're working you like six days a week, and then, you know, or seven or eight or whatever, seven shows. But, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you, you hit a nerve there, I, I, without a doubt. It's just the jobs that we do do are so few and far between, and unless you're doing a play, you don't get that gratification. Well, not, not, not only the jobs, but the work that you can honestly, truly, genuinely be proud of. Exactly. Yeah, you want to be able to appreciate what you do and, and, and change it. And I'll tell you, I'll take it one step further, <laughs> okay, because you have me rattling on. Um, we had the opportunity to do Normal Heart off-Broadway. Joanne Gleason, Raul Esparza, Billy Warlock was in it. We had a you know great cast. And, and a great play, a terrific play. Oh, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. It was, we were at the, we're at the public theater. And, uh, you know, this is death. This is three hours of death, you know, death and, and dying and heartbreak and, and betrayal and, and the whole, you know, every every sapping human emotion that you could possibly go through was there, you know, and, you know, three hours of it, you know. I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Just coming from, you know, from One Life to Live right back over to, uh, you know, doing the show and then going back to One Life to Live, probably – Best times I've had in my entire life. Just work me to death. I'll have a great time. 
That's all I want. That's all I want. It's, it, it's a drug. It becomes like a drug. It's, nothing else exists in your life. You know what's funny? Literally, if I were going to sit here and tick off a list of, of my five favorite actresses, Kim Zimmer and Hillary Smith would both be on it, and you got to work with both of them. You know, I've heard it said by more than one that it takes a, a peculiarly strong kind of actor to survive nine rounds in the ring with Kim Zimmer. Talk to me about the Zimmer experience. Well, you know what, though? I mean, here's the thing. Kim's tough. Kim's tough. The thing about Kim is, like, you know, if I do my homework the right way, hey, I know she's doing hers. <laughs> so I know whatever I'm going to give her, I'll at least get it back. And if I don't know something, if I have a question, you know what, I'll ask. That's what I'm there for, too, is to learn from, I, I, it's to learn from the best. If you're able to work across from somebody like Kim and Hillary and Bobby Woods, you know, you're going to get something back. So that makes my job that much easier. Sometimes you just don't understand the material, too, and, and sometimes things are badly written, and it happens all the time. There's not much you can do about it. And um, that's the most, that's an interesting thing, too, is just trying to figure out. You watch good writing and where it flows. But, yeah, you know, and I'm so fortunate to play across, you know, just a whole bevy of wonderful actors. I mean, Absolutely. there was just from David McDonald all the way down to – I didn't have an opportunity to play with across from Linda Dano. But, uh, One of my favorite people on the planet. I adore her. Oh, she's such a regal lady. I'm, you know, just really cool. Really Absolutely. Nice. You know, I want to give a shout-out to the to the terrific kid who played your son on One Life to Live, Jay Wilkinson. What a dynamite actor. And, you know, they were they – were, it was almost like they had no clue what to do with him, and, and they were absolutely foolish to let him slip through their fingers because uh, what a dynamite actor. You can't really say enough about him. You know, he, 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 he brought everything to the table. He brought everything to the table. Absolutely. Um, he was a great-looking guy. He had serious talent, and – you know, it, it was it was almost bewildering because it was almost like they had no clue what to do with him. Well, you know what? I mean, he always went the extra mile to bring something to the table. And, you know, when we played across from one another, we had a great chemistry. We had a really great chemistry. And we had some fantastic scenes where, you know, it was I killed his girlfriend. You know, I mean, I'm in jail. and You know, and he played it so very well, you know, and... Those are the things that make you want to come to work. You know what? Half of me would love to come back as a Hannibal Lecter to come out <laughs> just so I can play this character again, too. Because this character, he's, he's alive. Yes. And every show needs a good villain. You need a good villain. I don't know what kind of villain they make of this guy. You know, he's got, he, but, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I could, I could do so much with that character. I could, I, oh, man. Oh, God, that would be fine. That would be fine. Then I could truly be that kind of maniacally twisted guy, you know. I mean, Dr. Noah's running around somewhere, but, you know, one unfortunate guy in life up the years. You know, it's just, uh, it's just, I think that's the whole spice of what it's all about. What we really want to do uh, at Shake the Tree Productions is, is make a mark. You know, we want to have a lasting impression. That's what we're here for. That's really what we're here for. It's like we, we want to give the movie go something they really want to see. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, really, what is the point? We all want to make a buck. We have to make a profit, and it's very difficult now. But, um, you know, we believe that we have a good product. We do, we have, no, we have an excellent product. We have excellent products. And, you know, we want to make a difference. And I think right now it's very ripe. It's, it's the time right now coming out of this word, this depression, recession that we're in, you know, and it kind of like it's, you're coming out of the dark ages with a lot of things, that we can be poised to be able to give some of the stuff back to, you know, moviegoers and society. And that, you know, they, they want to see great stories. They want to see heroes. They want to see, you know, they, they want to see this stuff again on TV. Absolutely. That's what it's for. You take, your, you take yourself out of that one and a half, two hours of your life, and, and you come out, you're feeling good. You know, you're feeling good, or you're thoughtful, you're contemplative, or... I mean, that, that, that's, why else get into this business? 
why else be here if you didn't have that type of passion and that, and, and that type of drive? And, well, and the, the thing is, I mean, we've been telling stories to each other since the, since the night the first campfire was built. And as you, as you say, we've lost, we've lost a, a bit of that somewhere along the way. We really have. There's really no reason we can't get it back, you know. And it's there. It's just you just can't give up, you know. I mean, there's a lot of excuses for why things can't be done, you know. Uh, you know, the Allies landed on Normandy against incredible odds. You know, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm just saying there's you can make an excuse for trying to break through Camelot of the entertainment industry, but you got to have the integrity to stand up and say, look, I got we got a great product here. You just got to keep plugging away. You got to keep plugging away, and you know, and 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 find the right people. Basically, it takes one person. It takes one person to share the vision with you, and and then you know, you, once things start to roll along, you know, the opportunity that we want, and this is just, you know, it, it's, it's to be able to deliver. Granted, you have no idea some of the stories that we have lined up here, and what they, what stories they tell, and that's that's what's. That's what I wish we had two lifetimes to tell some of the stuff that we have. We have that much material, and I kid you not, as God is my witness, we have that much original material, and it's it's just character-driven stuff. And I I want the opportunity to be able to have this come out. You know, I want I, and that more than anything else, just to be able to tell these stories because we do have a lot of them. I think we do. We strive to do it better. We strive to do it better. I mean, that's I can only speak for ourselves. We you know we don't. We're perfectionists in what we do. That's kind of where we feel about. Well, I tell you what, I I I look forward to seeing what you guys come up with in terms of uh, filmed work. I want to tell everybody that you can find Shake the Tree Productions at www.shakethetreeproductions.com. It's it's very simple to remember, and it's a great site they have up. They have trailers up. They have all kinds of stuff up. They have music and right. and yeah, just all kinds of stuff up at the website to to find out what these guys are trying to do and what they're what the goals they're trying to attain. And you know it sounds fantastic. When you have a, when you're done with the film that you're starting in the fall, I, I really hope that you guys will will keep in touch with me, and I'd love to bring you guys back up here to talk about to talk more about the film in depth once you have a product in hand. We would definitely would love to do that. We'd love to do that. We really would. Brandon, I appreciate your time. You know, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. Same here. You know, I have one more question for you. You're a Philly guy, so tell the truth here. Pats or Genos? Pats. <laughs> Pats. <laughs> I, I had to think for a second there. I had to think that. Why? Because that's the only place I've really been, to be honest with you. Gotcha, okay. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, but let me put it this way. You really can't get a Philly steak anywhere besides Philly. <laughs> that's it. You know, we, we have we have what's called Texas cheesesteak here in Texas, and, and I doubt it's I doubt it's the same thing. I've never actually had a true Philly cheesesteak, but, uh, you know, I, I, I doubt very I, – I, I believe – I think – what you say to heart. It's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. A Philly soft press on a Philly cheesesteak. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I really wish you the best of luck. Brandon, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and uh, keep rocking and rolling, and, and, and we'll be talking really soon. Thank you very much. Before I let you go, could I get you to do a promo for my show? Without a doubt. As long as it includes the words Mark Dobie's and Brandon's buzz, anything else you say is totally up to you. Okay. And we're recording now, so whenever you're ready, shoot. Hi, I'm Mark Dobies, and I just got finished talking to uh, Brandon Buzz. I had a great time. Uh, if you want to listen to a show with, with a lot of integrity uh, that's really going to talk about the entertainment business, this is the place to be. Fantastic. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, buddy. I really had a great time. I really did. Likewise. Really. I'll let you know if you set fire up an email, and I'll, I'll keep you up to date on what we're doing. I will do. All right, buddy. Thank Take you very care, much. Man. 
Bye-bye. The fantastic Mark Dobies, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can. Three places to find Brandon's Buzz. If you're listening, you already know, but in case you don't, here are the three places. blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. That's kind of home base for the show. From there, you can listen to the show. You can download previous episodes of the show. You can send emails. You can leave comments. It really is mission control for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me at brandonsbuzz.com, my blog. Uh, there, at the top of any page, at brandonsbuzz.com, is a blue button marked Radio. You click on that button, it takes you to a full archive of all episodes of this show. This is episode number 64. This and all previous 63 episodes are in the full radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. Uh, you can also find me on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can download individual old episodes of the show as podcasts for playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So I, I'm all over the Internet. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on iTunes. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me, and I hope you continue finding and listening. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind. So spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy. Great show. Check it out. Hey, guys. This is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi. This is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Baby, when you live on the street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt. <laughs>